Our scripture today comes from Mark 1, verses 9 through 15. And in in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In our story this morning, Jesus hears a voice from heaven saying to him, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. This morning, I want you to hear that same voice saying to you, You are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter. I love you with an everlasting love. I have molded you together in the depths of the earth. I have knitted you in your mother's womb. I've written your name in the palm of my hand, and I hold you safe in the shade of my embrace. You belong to me, and I belong to you, says God. You are safe where I am. Do not be afraid. Trust that you are beloved. That is who you truly are. I want you to hear that voice. It's not a very loud voice because it's an intimate voice. It comes from a very deep place. It is soft, gentle. And it often gets drowned out by the din of other voices telling you different things. You're not good enough. Your mistakes make you flawed. Something is wrong with you. You must change to just be okay. Some of us have heard these messages over and over and over again until they become who we are. I'm screwed up. I'm flawed. I'm a failure. I can't do better than this. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovely and unlovable. I'm ugly. Inside and out. These things, when said over and over, become who we think we are. And even when we're not bombarded with negative messages about ourselves, we often find ourselves embracing identities that do not point us toward the full and abundant life that Jesus promises. Who we are are becomes identified with what we do. I'm a plumber. I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. 
Our self-worth often becomes wrapped up in the things we do to earn money. It's strange. I'm, my wife gave me permission to out her as a lunch lady at the, at the school in the school district. You know, they come up with other titles to try and glam that up a bit, <laughs> right? Make it, make it a little more. But at the end of the day, she's a lunch lady. She, she prepares lunch for our children at school and serves it. A noble profession and an important one, bringing important things to our children, helping to raise them in a safe environment and help them learn and be whole and healthy. Robin used to be a florist and a shop owner. In fact, she still does flowers and still introduces herself as a florist, an artist, if you will. <laughs> and for some reason, she liked being that better than she liked telling... She liked telling people that better than she likes telling people that she's a lunch lady. <laughs> What's that about, right? But you understand, you get where, why that would be. And we find ourselves, there's a lot wrapped up in, in what we do as it identifies who we are. Because our society puts certain values on certain professions. They become who we are. Sometimes we are defined by one aspect of our lives. Here's a, here's a trivial example, but I'm going to put it out there. I don't know if any of you have noticed this. But I apparently have a distinctive laugh. Now I've never really noticed it, but people have said, "Curtis, you have a you have a strange and distinctive laugh." And you know, <laughs> in high school, my graduating year, they made up a category like they have like most you know most likely to be most successful or. All of those things are best eyes. I don't know. They had. They made up one called you know most unique laugh because of me. There wasn't that before, and I don't know that they've ever used it since. <laughs> I've often thought, you know, I could cure cancer, and people would go, "Well, who's that guy?" And and they I they would say, "Well, that's the guy. That's Curtis. He cured cancer." And folks would go, and they go, "The guy with the laugh," and they go, "Oh, that guy." <laughs> Uh, it wouldn't matter. It seems to be my identifying feature. And, uh, you know, I don't mind that so much. But, you know, there's more to me than just the laugh. <laughs> right? There it is. Right? <laughs> now I'm going to notice it every time I do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's more to me than that. I think those among us from the LGBT community are are constantly having to remind us that uh, this must be a frustration for them as well. They're constantly having to remind us that being gay is something they are, but not all they are. Especially when homosexuality is reduced to what happens in people's bedrooms and nothing more. That's got to be very frustrating. And I'm sure that any of us who get identified with one particular thing, and somehow that becomes the whole, or even worse, one particular mistake we've made and that becomes the whole of who we are so many of us have stumbled and fallen and sometimes our sins are out there for the whole world to see and some of us are do a much better job at keeping them to ourselves but sometimes they become 
the whole of who we are to the rest of the world. I think it comes down to our brokenness, which is our theme over Lent. I don't know if you've noticed, so we're, we're exploring our own brokenness and how Christ invites us to be mended. Our own brokenness and the world's brokenness in general. It comes down to that. And I'm not talking about original sin. I don't particularly find that concept very helpful really. As we go through Lent, this term broken will be held up in both negative and positive ways. There is brokenness in our connection with one another and that is a negative thing. And our brokenness in connection to God And that is a negative thing that often produces fear and violence. But there is also a brokenness we experience when we realize that we need to be a part of God. And we need God to be a part of us. That we cannot do it alone or on our own strength. This is a positive thing that leads from brokenness to mending. Brokenness is that moment when the addict finally decides, and, and you know people have various levels of rock bottom, but then when they finally decide, I've hit rock bottom, from the floor they raise their head and say, God, I need your help. That's brokenness that leads to redemption. That's brokenness that calls out for mending And we've all been there in one way or another. Or we're going there, if you haven't. (laughs) It's coming. Because we all experience brokenness through the things that have been done to us, through the things we've done to ourselves, through the things we've done to others. We live in a world that is not together right it's broken and today I'm talking about the broken sense of who we are in this world and who we are in relation to God you know for some of us or there's some out there who we are to God is a puppet you know manipulated to do God's will Uh, and God's or God's a genie and and the wish giver, right? We, we rub the lamp and God pops out and we say, I want this, I want this. For some, we are defendants being judged on our merit and our worth. For some, we are merely ants being observed from above for God's own amusement. None of these are a very biblical view of who we are in relation to God. Here's what the Bible says. John 1 says, But to all who receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but born of God. Amen? Romans 8, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit-bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. Joint heirs with Christ. Amen. 
That's who we are. Children of the Most High God. Philippians 2 invites us to do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. You are children of God who shine like stars in the world. Great words from Paul. 1 John says this, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This is who we are in the world. We are the beloved children of God. And I want you to hear those same words that came to Christ. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't even done anything yet. In you I am well pleased for being who you are with me. My son, my daughter, my child. Imagine if that were the first thing that came to mind when someone said, who are you? Imagine how different our lives would be if when someone tried to make themselves look better by making us look bad, we immediately said to ourselves, and maybe to them, would might be good too, hey, wait a minute, I'm a beloved child of God, joint heir with Christ, the one whom God loves, knows the numbers of hairs on my head, What could be so bad about that? Stop trying to make me feel bad. Imagine how different the world would be if not only we embraced ourselves as beloved children of God, but began to look around and see others as beloved children of God as well. Now we're talking. Amen? Brothers and sisters all called by the same Spirit into life worthy of our consideration and our respect. What is broken here is our sense of identity and the sense of who we are. The world tries to tell us things. That we're not sexy enough unless we drive this car or wear these clothes. That we're not rich enough unless we have more than enough. That we're not smart enough. Or we're not savvy enough. We don't work enough. Or we work too much. (laughs) The world tries to send us all kinds of messages. And they're loud. And they come to us constantly. I beg you this morning, do not harden your hearts to that still, small voice of God like a dove descending from heaven. Whispering in your ear, You are my beloved child. I am well pleased. Let us pray. Loving God, we come to You in our brokenness with the sound ringing in our ears of all the things that have been said to us and all the things we've said to ourselves, the things that are in our hearts when we look in the mirror. Help us to hear Your voice. 
Help us to see with Your eyes that we are wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made in Your image. Be Your child. Help us to embrace the love that You lavish so generously with reckless abandon in the hope of our brokenness being mended and our wholeness being found in who we are and who we were created to be, your beloved children. Amen.